Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning, everyone. I love this uh, last couple weeks because we're talking about everyone and how the gospel, the good news is for everyone and what that means. And God invites everyone to the party. There's a verse in, at the end of Revelation in chapter 7. And Revelation is um, often sometimes really butchered because it's like we're trying to understand and unpack like the end of the events. And it's, it's this crazy mystery. And, and, and people like it. I remember one time uh, my friend was telling me he did a weekend in jail and he got out and he hadn't read the Bible before. And he started with uh, the book of Revelations because that's what we all kind of call it when we first start. And I'm like, why would you read that? And he's like, the world is ending. And he's like talking, you know, the fear and crazy and plagues and everything's going to drop down. But if you read it through that lens, like, whoa. But if you read it through the lens of what God's promise is and what he wants to do in people, it's like, wow, this is beautiful. God's trying to wake the church up, wake people up, wake us up so that we can be connected and belong with him for all of eternity. That's the goal. So the goal is not like fire and break people down and crush them and, and it's the end. The goal is that God wants to connect. He wants to unite. He wants to see people thriving with him. Check this out. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude and no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. When's the last time we remember hearing about palm branches? Is when the crowd yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna, as Jesus rode in on a donkey. He rides in on a donkey because his power system is a lot different than the world's power system. The way things are systematically developed and orchestrated and intuitionally played out isn't the same way that Jesus comes and shows up on the scenes. And sometimes we get confused because we think, it's a little button, somebody's gonna be like, I can't believe he's gonna press it. We think that Jesus is our nation. We think Jesus is the government. We think Jesus is a specific institution. And so I want to do something today. Today's going to get a little like raw because at City Life, we have to pull back the curtain and unpack things um, that God cares about and he cares about people. And that wherever there's people confused or hurting and there's injustice taking place, God wants to see his people connected with him, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. But what happens is in our heart, because we've grown up and we're fallen individuals, we're sinners, but now when we clothe in the mind of Christ, we're saints and we can see clearly. So saints, hear this this morning. You gotta start to say, am I really right? Am I seeing this clear? 
Or is there another way? And can I seek further understanding first in God's word and then just understanding how uh, God's plan is playing out? And then also knowing that there's a very, very bad enemy that is not excited about any of your or my personal development. There's an enemy that didn't want you to come today because if you come today, somehow you're going to experience new life. You're going to experience a little booster in your life. And the enemy is not excited. He's been trying to unravel and, and get us so tense with one another. Therefore, he can win. And why this verse causes me to bring this type of introduction is because the introduction that's going to happen here is it's ultimately talking about, hey, what nation are we putting our hope in? Where is our hope and where is our truth kind of playing out? How does Jesus see this? As we're clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the song for every believer. That's the essence of the only hill that we will fight and die on. And we want to do everything possible so that people can be able to sing that song for all of eternity. Eternity is a really long time. I was reading about space and, think, and maybe there's like water on Jupiter or whatever. They're trying to figure that out. But space is endless, infinite. Endless, infinite. This is a very serious conversation. And when we gather this morning, what we're doing is we're stirring one another up about the thing that is most true. That there is a home beyond this home. That the things we see are temporary and the things that we don't see are eternal. For some of us that may like come as a, and it sounds almost like counterintuitive. And for others, it's like, man, that's inviting. That's what I've always sensed in the deepest part of my soul that there's something more. There is something more. And one day, those that are clothed in the white robes with Jesus from all nations, all tribes and peoples and languages will cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What are we crying out, friends, today? What have you seen online? What's being cried out? How do we respond to adversity? How do we listen? How do we learn? What do we think when we hear a word like injustice or systematic oppression? We think about the tension that's going on with race. Do you instantly find yourself with a conclusion? Do you think that someone's instantly wrong? You may see an action And you might not understand the action, but it could be a reaction to oppression for a very long time. Have we considered that? And inviting you into a conversation that goes way beyond where you grew up, and maybe you've experienced on a small little scale of what it's like to not belong for a moment. Some people have experienced that on a very, very long time, systematically being oppressed. And I pray today, as propaganda is going to talk here in a minute via video, especially for us this morning. I pray that we're um, not so quick to get to the solution of the end, because the end is like, oh, what's good? We got Jesus. It's fine. What are you crying about? Like if someone got abused their whole life and then every once in a while fights at school, we wouldn't so instantly just think that we need to correct the behavior alone. We would understand, wow, it's a deeper story going on here. A deeper story going on for generations. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he's trying to be that bridge, y'all. 
He's trying to stand up for those that have been discriminated. He's standing up for women that have been constantly put down, children that are looked at as lower class and lower tier. I've heard sometimes people say, well, I'm not going to follow Jesus because he's this white man's religious and religion. And, and it's interesting because Jesus is from the Middle East. So I don't even get in. No one, like, it's not how it works. But he comes and he brings us together because the power of the gospel is for the Jew and the Gentile, the Jew and the Greek. So those that were set apart for, from, for God's purposes, for his kingdom, and then all to the ends of the earth. And so may we be reconciliation agents as well. But before we get to the end, we have to stop and pause and say, wait, I think we're finding ourselves on hills that we're fighting and dying that we shouldn't. Meaning like when you start to post and respond to each other on Facebook, like a viewpoint that could be so shallow and not even being sensitive what people have went through, it's not cool. And there's a warning, there's a heed today that I've been feeling in my spirit um, and as a team, and we've been thinking just as, as, as pastors and leaders just to say, okay, what is God doing in Lansing? We have to be aware of what God's doing nationally and even globally, that there's issues all across the world. And no matter what issue we brought to the table today, whether it was abortion, whether it's uh, um, people being um, like genocide in, in third world countries, whether the issue is people not having food, whatever the issue is, Jesus cares about. And I think the church can get a good dose of just being a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more loving before we start to sing uh, Revelation 7. And we're like, well, we're crying out, salvation belongs to the Lord. Yes, but there's a lot of hurt. And I think we could do a better job of just listening and pausing because Jesus not only came and he's, he's totally true, okay? Like Jesus is true, but he's not overthrow a table every time true. That was in a setting that was misrepresenting him. When there were settings of brokenness and people were oppressed, what Jesus did was he showed up in grace. He was full of grace and truth. This verse, Romans 1.16, the 116. This is it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of the God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The message says, it's the news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with the Jews and then right, to ev right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming, confirming what scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God by trusting him really lives forever. Come on, we all want that. We all want that. As believers, we want to live forever. We want to live forever. And you're coming in this place, you don't know where you stand with Jesus. Like, it's still something in you says, I want to live forever. I don't know if I believe this religion stuff, but what is Jesus' claims? That's what this good news talks about. That's what this 116 is all about. It's 116. And as Christians, though, I think, we think we're, we're living this. We think we're living this verse, but what's happening is we're fighting about causes. We find ourselves sharing stuff, involved in stuff, because we're trying to change people's perspectives. We're on the wrong hill. The wrong hill. God wants us to be reconciliation agents, but how we go about that is so important. How we go about that is so, so important. I love this quote. It says, your actions speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you are saying. How quick were we posting online against each other? No, I need to show you the real video of what happened. No, no, I, I need to downplay your hurt and your, your, you, how you feel. I need, oh, you know what, this is why the riots are happening. It's just, 
come on, it's a little shallow, you guys. There is some stats that we need to be aware of as people before we can start to just say, okay, here's 100% how we're going to respond with the gospel. We need to be aware of these things, of systematic issues. There's an article here on MIC.com, and it talks about Somebody's going to not like this. The seven actual facts that prove white privilege exists in America. (laughs) I was like, no, it doesn't. Man, okay, slow down. Like, maybe you haven't felt white privilege in your life necessarily, but systematically, white privilege exists. You just might not have been the, the highest level recipient of it, but you're still a part of it if you're white. There's privileges that have been systematically involved since the very beginning. You're less likely to be arrested. Research shows that white Americans are less likely to be arrested and jailed. While people of color only make up 30% of the total population, they are 60% of the U.S. prison population. Okay, so the first thought is, well, they must do more crime. This discrepancy is particularly apparent when it comes to nonviolent drug offenses where people of color are jailed at a much higher rates, even though drug use in white America is higher than in African-American communities. According to Human Rights Watch, people of color are no more likely to use or sell illegal drugs than whites, but yet they have a much higher rates of arrests. While only 14% of blacks use drugs regularly, 37% of those arrested for drugs are black. So what's going on? And if you look at how um, zoning has been instituted, or I mean implemented all across the nation, right? You, you take low-income regions, you put them together, and you have what people would say is projects, and you, you know, maybe if you lived in the suburb, your project would have been the trailer park, right? You remember the trailer park? How do people talk about that lived in the trailer park? Wasn't very nice, was it? What about if you grew up in a home where people, or your parents got divorced and no one else's did? I remember that feeling. I remember feeling like, man, maybe I'm not playing on the basketball team because my parents don't go to the same dinner as everybody else. And someone could easily say, well, that's just not necessarily true. You all have the same choice. Is it true that everyone starts from the same place? Absolutely not. Is it true that everyone has choices in life? Absolutely. But is it true that as a church, we could be a lot more sensitive to what people are going through? Absolutely. The book of James talks about that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I don't know about you this week, but as I was tempted to speak sometimes online, as anger rose maybe at something or someone else, rightfully or wrongfully, what I needed to do was heed to the words and the posture of Jesus, which was grace and truth. Check this video out by Propaganda. All right. All right. Well, 20 years. 20 years, but, you know, who's counting, right? I mean... 20 years, she, she endured a, a said marriage where sister really ain't have no say in the original arrangements nor the terms thereof, but 20 years, he beat her senseless. Uh, somehow or another, she managed to muster up the quote-unquote bravery to stick around because one day he decided maybe he shouldn't hit her no more. Now, granted... That was due to outside pressure that threatened the security of his pockets, but he stopped, right? But the damage was done. And on their 40th wedding anniversary, he decides, well, they both decide, maybe we'll throw a nice little shindig. Spare no details, all expenses, pull out all the stops. 
invite all their family and friends. She is to smile, celebrate her husband's greatness, talk about how far they've gone as a country, I mean, as a couple. They're to reminisce on the good old days when everybody knew their places. They're to talk about all the great trumps, I mean, the great triumphs that they've accomplished. All the lands and the places that they've conquered, I mean, that they stole, I mean, uh, that they visited. And before any of their friends come in the still silence, you could hear the creak of the floor as he walks, touches ever so gently the caresses, the small of her back and says, babe, look how far we've come. Those last 20 years, they were rough, but these, these have been good. Let's not talk about the last ones because, you know, they make everybody uncomfortable and they, and they, and they separate. And why would you want to separate? Let's, let's unify. Let's talk about unity. What is she to do? Well, she's to hold her little sparkler, wear her pretty little red, white, and blue dress and act like the first 20 years didn't happen. As if she's still not suffering under the thumb of the mental walls that he didn't build. Oh yeah, he ain't hit her no more, but he don't have to. The scars do all that work for her. You know, she ain't been the same since. Her hip, it's a little bit out of the place. Her, her jaw, it's kind of a jar to the left, so her smile a little crooked. And every once in a while, he compares her to other wives. Like, you know, she ain't as pretty as y'all are, but he turned to tell her, I don't see color. I mean, I don't see beauty. She is to be thankful that now she could be in the big house. She is to celebrate her rights, her right to vote, you know, on what's for dinner, right? I mean, things are good now, or at least they better than they were. You should pat your nation, I mean, your husband on his back, tell him he's the greatest nation, I mean, the greatest country, I mean, the greatest man in the world. What is she to do? You ask if it was so bad, why didn't she leave? As a matter of fact, why is she always playing the victim? Why is everything about her? Don't other wives get hit too? Don't all wives matter? Why am I forced, why am I forced to only mourn your scars? You know, girls hit girls all the time. We call that wife-on-wife wife crime. Why I need to worry about just yours? <laughs> and if it was so bad, if it really was so bad, why was he not prosecuted? Why did not all of your friends who saw this all going on step in and say something? Maybe she's making this up. Why did your church not even step in instead silenced you and said this is not our issues? And in a weird twist of magic, somehow she just became the victim and the villain. And I don't know how this worked. Does he not owe her? 
Does forgiveness do not require restitution first? Does the cross that you say you cling to does not scream that justice comes before reconciliation? How can we talk about unity if you're not ready to admit you wrong? she not worth justice and what about the ladies that fight back can you not understand why she might think to take matters into her own hands and punch this sucker every once in a while even though we know even though we know that vengeance is just a bastard version of justice can you not understand the pain for which this young lady is suffering is it not too late to say you sorry huh justice Those thoughts don't plague your mind. I don't know. You know what? Never mind. Happy 4th of July. Enjoy your ribs. Some are like, okay, I don't know what to do right now. This is crazy. I came here to city life. I thought this place. Look, okay, it's the first time here. This is a, this is a moment in time where we're, we're just... We just have to bring awareness to some degree, not to bring definitive, uh, conclusive opinions to take place, but to understand that we need to be a little bit more long-winded in the process. That there is humans on each side of any particular issues, and a lot of times um, they could even be closer than they think, but maybe there's, there's a particular outfit or system in place that doesn't allow for people to get closer. And, and, and the church should be a place where we do everything possible to get people closer. Why do you think when you heard music when you walked in? It's because for some of you, you never want to go to church and maybe that's a little bit more inviting. You can realize how raw and real Jesus is. Jesus was, he was so awesome when you went to the uh, church that you thought was corny and the music was atrocious. He was awesome then too. He was awesome if we, if we, if we just do the most amazing thing on the drum set here. He was still awesome. God wants his people to cry and, and, and weep for those that are broken. In Isaiah, it talks about Isaiah 1, 16, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil from your deeds before your eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is the place where reconciliation can take place and the world is watching. They're watching to see if we're going to continue to be the most segregated day in the world. Sundays. And the world's watching. The world's watching and it's because I think it's watching because we thought that Jesus wanted to solve it through how we're going to vote. And look, newsflash, you, you should vote. You, you got to be involved locally. But guess what? At some level, this, we can't even fully understand everything that's going on there because you might feel the negative effects of what the system is doing. And you could say, well, it's a great compared to the other system. Look, you guys, we're not, we're not, we're not going to be people that compare the gospel to the lesser of two evils. We are people that believe in what's right and what's true regardless, that love listens. Love is gentle. Love forgives. Love leans in. Colossians 4 says that, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know you ought to answer each person. 
when we talk to people, gentle, seasoned with salt. Scripture talks about when you have an issue with somebody, first let's look at our own issue, the log that's in our eye, before we try to remove a speck in somebody else's. I think we could all use a little bit more time reflecting and learning before we come and we spout out information. That's what I'm saying here this morning. I'm saying pause before you start to just instantly say something that maybe Jesus would cry over. Just maybe Jesus is bawling. Maybe he sees something and watches how we share stuff and maybe he's bawling. Like he's crying when he watches how we communicate with each other. I watched one interaction online and it just broke my heart. The other person was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I know this. Well, you need to read this. You need to watch this. And it was crazy because it was friendly fire, y'all. Friendly fire. Human, human. Because what is the real issue? Is the issue hate, violence, race? What's the issue? And the issue has always been the same. It's a three-letter word that nobody likes to talk about. And it is not sex. It is sin. And it's in the hearts of many. And we want people to find the antidote, the bridge, so that Revelation 7-9 can take place and we're intentional about it and we're going to be together and we're going to accept that people culturally will be different, that they're going to like different things, that they might be raised a different way, but in God that we can belong and we can still celebrate each other's differences, but we're united in him. That's what's beautiful. That's why we can sing, salvation belongs to the Lord our God. Salvation doesn't belong to any particular method. And so therefore we find ourselves praying for certain people groups, and we find ourselves praying for the police. We find ourselves praying for all of the nations because this is just so temporary. Have you found yourself getting entangled in the things that won't last? I too often find myself getting entangled in the things that won't last. Star Wars Rebels kicked off last night, and I got to watch the cartoon. For the Star Wars Rebels fans in the house, so I got three of them, I'm sure. I was watching it and Canaan, he got blind last year. And so he was mad, he was a little bitter. And he thought it was someone, you know, I wasn't there for my team and he thought Ezra had some issues and Ezra's got fear in his heart and, he, and he, these spiders were trying to kill him and he said, it's the spiders, they're, they're the ones that are bad, they're trying to hurt me. And this guy kind of corrects him and says, hey, why don't you kill the thing that can protect you? So he breaks this, 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 this little protection that surrounded him with like kind of like a force field from these spiders, if you will, bear with me. And he said, start examining and look past. He can't see. He says, look past. And he says, what do you see in the spiders? Oh, I see that they got fear. What do you see in Ezra, which is his apprentice? I see he has fear. And the guy says, look even past further. And he goes, it's me. I got fear in my own heart. That's what sin's like. We're constantly saying, no, look, they got sin. They got sin. When Jesus stands up in the gap, and he says, I'm going to cover you all. There's some serious fundamental issues. And we're going to do everything possible to be reconciliation agents on this side of eternity, period. That means at schools, that means how we vote, everywhere we go. But the difference is we recognize that there's only one that will sit on the throne forever, and that's Jesus. It's hard to live in the day-to-day, but not put your hope in something that is right in front of you. It's hard. It's challenging. Because we get so entangled, and we see it. But we have to have a warning today because there could be things you saw online this week that could not be true, potentially. Something that you shared that could have been hoaxed. Does anyone consider that one? Like there is literally videos that get created whether, uh, to, 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 to make you want to share more stuff. 
And Satan is so pleased when he crushes us. He's so pleased. He's just so happy when he watches us just running like idiots, just not talking about the main thing of what's most important. And what's most important doesn't mean we just get to the, hey, you need to believe in Jesus, y'all. That's the real issue. No, be sensitive. Be sensitive to injustice. Be sensitive to the issues going on at hand and the issues at play. There's a book, Leadership Pain, and Sam Chand uh, writes this. He says, sometimes in our culture is backwards, stunted and repressive, prejudice inflects enormous pain. In the early 1970s, when I was a janitor at Balua Heights Bible College, one of my duties was to pick up the trash. And I saw this lovely lady, her name was Brenda. I, could, I couldn't get to, I wanted to get to know her and begin to strategize. And Brenda was Caucasian and I was Indian. Brenda and I met about 10 years after uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. But it appeared that some people in Georgia had never heard of racial equality. I didn't have enough money to date Brenda, but the mere fact that I was obviously like her, I liked her, sent ripples of tension throughout all the camps. In response, the college board met in an urgent session and passed a policy to forbid people dating outside their ethnicity. 70s, Christian college. We're not that far removed from it, are we? And I love the response here by Sam. The leaders, though, um, began to threaten to expel them if they continued to talk to each other. I love city life for the record. It is just filled with all different types of people. It's the coolest thing in the world. You know, my wife, she's full Hispanic. Uh, I'm a gringo, but a gringo named Jerome who listened to rap music as a kid. I remember bumping Public Enemy in 1989, Fear of a Black Planet. I don't even know why or what was going on out in Mason. That's just what I was doing, okay? I mean, the only kids that were colored, they were my friends. It was like a prophetic thing of what God was doing in my life. And it's a prophetic thing of what's happening here at City Life. And it's a prophetic thing of how Sam uh, was able to lean in through here. And then... They started to meet and uh, actually occasionally called Brenda. And one counselor on campus told her that if she kept seeing him, she would go to hell. Not kidding or exaggerating, but Brenda had great respect for authority, so she left those meetings crushed with guilt and confusion. She just liked Sam, just liked someone who was a person and wanted to be healing. They continued to go on and they kind of date on the side and um, fear that actually Sam could get sent back to India. So he's freaked out, right? And then what happens is it was 10 years later, after Brenda and him had left, they got married and no one would do the wedding. And they had deep feelings of hurt and confusion. They returned this time. But when they returned... Sam was the college president. Amazingly, a radical healing transformation had occurred. Board members now welcomed me as the new leader of the institution. The darkest chapters of my history occurred at Balua Heights, but in God's amazing redemptive grace, he used the same people in the same institution to bring new hope, creativity, fruitfulness into my life. But first, we needed to clear up a few things. Soon after I took the new role, I went to the dean's office, same dean, check this out, and said, years ago, I sat in this chair in the office across from you. You threatened to expel me. I was your janitor. Now I'm your president. I'm okay with you. The question is whether you're okay with me. 
He assured me that the past was indeed the past and we would move together in the future. In my 15 years as president, the dean became one of my most trusted and valued partners. When I arrived as president in 1989, we had 87 students. When I left 15 years later, we had almost 800 from all different types of background. Sam endured. And so there's a call for both of us this morning. There's a call for those that feel wronged and those that call for those that are confused um, or maybe even a third, that those that are wronging and you might not even know it. It's to be a lot more sensitive and a lot more loving because we're a part of something that's way bigger than what's being shared online. It's a battle for people's souls for all of eternity, forever, forever and forever. And sometimes in life, we have to reprioritize what is our most important list of what social causes we want to be involved in. Like, what do we want to be involved in? Like, what are we going to be known for as the church? Like, seriously, what are we going to be known for? Are we going to be a church that's about everyone? Like, everyone. That we're like, hey, what's up? Doesn't matter where you come from, what background. Hey, we're about everyone. Because don't we believe that God made everybody no matter where they came from, what background they have. And, and last time I checked, we used 8 to 10% of our brain, some studies say, but yet we're trying to, we all think we're right in our own mind. I think we could have a little bit of dose to say, am I right? Am I sure? Let me lean in. Let me learn. Famous author said, seek to understand, then to be understood. Can we do a little bit more of that? Can we have the type of uh, endurance of Sam? those that have been hurt, but can we also have the deep empathy and reconciliation power of Jesus that stands up in the midst of says, hey, thou without sin can cast the first stone on her. That's the God we serve. That's why Romans 1.16 is so powerful. It is so powerful. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So that in the end, every tribe, every person from every background, every culture will sing and shout, salvation belongs to our God. Because at the end of the day, though we have a lot of differences, and we're actually all still trying to figure this thing out and we're all not God, but God has spoken and we can learn of who he is and study him and know him through his son, who's the bridge, Jesus. Because God is longing for us to be one. Not to come with shallow arguments and stuff that is a lot of times not warranted. We do need to be a lot more sensitive to what takes place. Period. Because we are one. At the end of the day, last time I checked, God created man, period. And so in this place, which is God's, and Jesus is the leader, city life lives, you belong here. It stands up just like when you saw God's people oppressed in Egypt, let my people go. We're saying let all people go in the biggest bondage that's taking place is Satan having a hold on people caught in their sin and they're too stubborn to let go. And then the church is doing everything to put up barriers so they can't run to him. Now, let me tell you what I believe about this. Let me tell you what I believe about this. Not like, let me show you the love of God. 
Let me show you the love of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, this is not easy. And I hope though that for some, maybe this was a starting point. For others, it was like, I've been talking about this, think about this for a long time. I don't know where you're on the perspective, but that eternity would be our compass. Jesus would be our guide. And that's how we would be ruled and convicted so that we could shout for all of eternity. Check this video out as we close of the bridge, who is Jesus. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Yes. Let's pray. Jesus, um, we need you big time this morning. We need you. God, we come in this place from different backgrounds, different hurts, different pains, different addictions, different perspectives. But we all know that before you, you see it all. God, I pray that you would pursue people so deeply today. They'd be transformed about the greatest story that is so true, you and your kingdom that will reign and rule forever. Not some joke, not some myth, but how different you are from every other God that you give your perfectness and your power in exchange for our brokenness when we believe in you and trust you by faith. God, we pray today as one united in you to help, God, help us to not um, get so distorted and be so loud that people can't see you and they can't even hear the good news anymore. They can't hear the gospel. They can't even hear the power. They can't find the bridge anymore. Because God, if we're going to be wrong and look back at history about anything, I pray that we're not wrong 
about not, about putting so many things um, before you and how you act. I pray that we are just not fixated by trying to have security and comfort, but God, that we would lean in and understand and that people would find and know who you are. God, in this place, I pray that you would bring deep healing. God, we pray for those that have felt uh, as outcasts. I pray that they would find that you say everyone who believes find a home today. And pray for those that maybe are officials that don't know how to connect the bridge and how to serve the community best. And I pray that you would give them supernatural posture that as they walk, it would be like the very presence of Jesus with grace and truth. And there would be deep humility by everyone to bring change and to bring restoration, to bring hope and newness. And God, we thank you for the work you're doing in Lansing because Lansing is so unique where it's just like we turn on some things on TV and it's like God's doing something different here. He's just ripping down walls and barriers. God, can we keep those walls and barriers down? Let us be even more inviting. Let us be right in the hand of God, right in the center of your will and your bringing all people together so that we can celebrate in the party that everyone's invited in through your son. I pray that people would put their uh, trust into you today and quit trying to play God in their own life and that when they're tempted throughout the week and discouraged and life isn't adding up and they're suffering and they're enduring, I pray that they would remember you, that you went before us, you show us what suffering and endurance looks like and you give us your strength and your power and we are complete and found and our identity is in you. So God, we pray that this would be a place of love, this would be a place of deep listening, this would be a place of deep healing, that this would be a place of deep understanding, deep diversity. God, that you would continue to do what you wanna do here in City Life. You belong here, you are the leader, so therefore we belong and we thank you for that. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.